bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, thank you that we can have this time together to learn and to learn with a purpose, for you are coming soon. And we just pray for your presence, that you will come and be our teacher. Enlighten our minds as we study and learn and pray together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to begin today with a quotation that I carry in my Bible. Um, actually, I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony because people will hear health lectures and they'll look at me and they'll say, Hi. They'll say, oh, sure, it's, it's easy for you to tell people what to do. You're kind of thin, you look like a librarian, you know, probably are one of those people that have all your paper clips lined in the same direction. And I am a little bit that way, I admit. But the truth is, as I did not come from an Adventist background. I was not raised in a Christian home. Yes, sir. Hey, hi, good to see you. Tennis pro back here. He tried to teach me. It didn't work. Anyway... I uh, came from a very violent home and started running away from home when I was five years old. And by the time I was 11, I, uh, I was a serial runaway and involved in all the, you know, fill in the blanks, what, what happens to kids that go wrong. In addition, I developed an eating disorder. I developed bulimia. And so I was using drugs, running away, and bulimic, all by age 11 fractured family, extreme physical abuse. And so I had this bulimia for 30 years, until I, I was 31 years old. I mean, for 20 years, excuse me. So when I was 17, I, fortunately, I've always loved libraries because they're quiet and nobody can holler in a library. So I've always, I always somehow kept my, my grades up. So I ran away for good when I was 17. And my father had left home when I was quite young. And I came back to take care of my mother when I found out that she was dying of cancer. On the way to a chemotherapy treatment, I passed by a complex of buildings in Riverside, California that, that were not so attractive, but the landscaping was really beautiful. And I remember making a mental note of how beautiful the landscaping was, and I mentioned it to a friend of mine. And I said, there's some sort of roofing and air conditioning company. They make, must make venting systems seven days a week. Seventh day Adventist, venting. <laughs> and the buildings aren't so hot, but the landscaping is beautiful. And my friend, who was a Christian scientist, I was an atheist at that time. My friend, who was a Christian scientist, said, oh, no, 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 that's a religious school. That's a Christian school. It's a Seventh day Adventist university. And I remember saying to her, like it was yesterday, anybody that landscapes like that can't be all bad. I think I'll go there. And she said, well, you know, they're really not too fond of atheists. Um, but if you really want to get in, if you tell them the body's a temple, you'll get in. And at that time, I was going through a medical assisting program, trying to find work to, while I took care of my mother. And uh, so I went in. In those days, if you were not a Seventh-day Adventist, you had to be interviewed by the president of the school. And I was interviewed by Dr. Osmondson. And I remember going in with a nursing uniform on. And uh, I said, Dr. Osmondson, I don't know too much about you people, but I really like the idea 
that the body's a temple. And he put his arm around me. And he said, you know, I wish we had more young people like you on this campus. And I was, I was in like Flint. I had no idea what I had said. I didn't know what it meant. I just knew that this man was very easy to con. And I didn't know if the whole group of these people were this way. But I liked the landscaping. And I wanted to go there. And so I always tell people, keep your yards. Really. I mean, it really does make a difference. It says something, doesn't it? And to this day, I'm so, I just want to speak through my yard about God's love. Because I never know who will pass by and maybe see a little bit of God's love there. And God drew me in there. And I met my husband there. He was a backslidden Adventist, which was why he was attracted to me at that time. So we married and the Lord kind of took us out of circulation, which is probably a good thing. And we found the Lord together. And we had a a wonderful uh, ministry. The Lord healed me of the bulimia. And we were in ministry uh, very shortly after our marriage and were in ministry for many years until his death last year. And he was a passionate man for God, loved the Lord. The videos that you see, the clips that you see were done by him. He won more than 60 international awards uh, for his productions. And so today I stand before you not because I am credentialed and not because I have degrees in nutrition and management and statistics and things like that. That's really not why I'm doing this. I was telling a friend here that I took a speech class in college, and the topic that I chose was the joy of knitting. I, you know, I had no intention of doing anything public. Uh, I, I love being quiet and studying. But God had another plan, doesn't he? And the Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And so he has a calling for every single one of you here today. And I believe that the index of misery is going up and not down. Amen? And so God's people need to catch up to the moment. And so I want to read a statement to you. And I'm so passionate about our need of linking the spiritual with the health message. And more than just... Jesus, and I I hate to use the word just, but we have the Hallelujah Acres people, and we have the Daniel Diet, and we have the Rick Warren people out there, and, and they understand about coming to Jesus and grace. But we have truths. We have particular testing truths for the last days that reveal God's true character. And I will tell you, as a former Catholic, that the reason that I came to Christ was not through the health message. I did not care if I lived or died. I was severely bulimic. I would throw up up to a dozen times a day, and I was doing all that stuff that people who are desperate do. And it was not caring for my body temple that had any appeal to me at all because I didn't care if I lived or died. I had no desire to live out a miserable, painful existence. And what turned me to God was when I learned that there is no eternally burning hell. The moment that somebody said that to me, I thought, now there's a God that has more of a heart than I do. I could worship a God like that. So I do not believe in hiding our truths and only presenting the gospel of Christ. Because to rightly represent God and to rightly present God People need to understand the truth about him, the resurrection, the second coming, and all of these glorious truths that mean so much, that there will be an end to sin and suffering, that there is a God of justice who's in control, 
who will put an end to all this misery, who hates evil, and he will destroy evil, and it will never rise again the second time. To me, that's more appealing than broccoli, frankly. You can only get so much mileage out of nutrition because terrible things can happen to good people. That's the world we live in, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how to minister to suffering people who are not going to get their miracle. Sometimes in health classes, we act as if everybody is going to have perfect lab tests. We don't believe in righteousness by lab tests. We believe in righteousness by faith. And sometimes we grade people according to how sick they are or how frail they are. And I believe that we are not called to do that. We're called to minister to the suffering. I want people to be comfortable to come to your health program even if they know that they're dying. How about that? By the end of this week, we're going to be equipped to do that. So somebody in a wheelchair or somebody with muscular dystrophy or somebody with a neuron disease where their nerve cells are disintegrating and they have no hope or they're in chronic pain. 40 million Americans suffer from chronic pain that isn't going to go away. And so I want for those people to crave to be in your presence in your health class. There's a way of communicating that we can do that and still get results on those lab tests because we want that too. But I want to share... Uh, Tennyson said, most people live quiet lives of despair. And I believe that's true, don't you? And as you share literature, as I share literature, people open up. They open up about their lives. Because we live in a, in a society that's more isolated than ever. And I love this quote from Acts of the Apostles. The Savior went from house to house, healing the sick, comforting the mourners, soothing the afflicted, and speaking peace to the disconsolate. He took the little children in his arms and blessed them and spoke words of hope and comfort to weary mothers. With unfailing tenderness and gentleness, he met every form of human woe and affliction. And boy, are we going to get a story tomorrow with pictures about that. Not for himself, but for others did he labor. He was the servant of all. It was his meat and drink to bring hope and strength to all with whom he came in contact. And as men and women listened to the words that fell from his lips, so different from the traditions and dogmas taught by the rabbis, hope sprang up in their hearts. In his teaching, there was an earnestness that sent his words home with convincing power. God's ministers are to learn Christ's method of laboring. What do you say? That is found... In Acts of the Apostles 364 and 365. And that is our goal and our objective in this class. Today we're going to have an introduction to the program. Why health evangelism? We want to get on the same page. There's a paradigm. And a paradigm is simply the foundation philosophy for what we're doing. And I believe that in order to get practical, in order to be able to communicate effectively, we need to be on the same page, or at least understand what page the teacher's on, so that you can uh, go forward. We want to be able to bring people, we want to be able to move people from survival to maintenance. Survival to maintenance. Now, when you ask a lot of people, it's been, it's been estimated that two-thirds of society is suffering from general, generalized anxiety disorder. So two-thirds of people are just stressed out and an absolute mess. So we want to bring people from survival to maintenance. You ask people how they're doing, they'll say, I'm just what? 
I'm just hanging in there. I'm just, and I found out going to other cultures that every culture has its own version of the same. I'm just hanging in there. Bringing people from survival to maintenance is the first step in an addictions program. But that's not good enough. We want to bring them from maintenance to success. Success means now you've been doing what doesn't feel good for a while, but it's starting to yield results. But that's not enough. God wants to do more than give us success. He wants to bring us from success to significance. Because when your life is significant, then if the plank gets knocked out from under you, whether it's your health or your finances or a divorce or a death or a catastrophe, when your life is significant, there's nothing that the enemy can throw at you that God will not use to build you. When you are only focused on success, I got my labs. I've built so much, you know, muscle mass, or I have so X number of Facebook friends, or whatever it is, the financial package. Why, what happens when people lose those things if their lives are not significant? And that's why blending the gospel with the practical is so important. And in our program, we have found that uh, we com- when we combine motivation with education and inspiration, you get better results. And we will have a chance to discuss why that is the case because the truth be told, if you leave here only knowing how to do a program well, whatever the program is, Win Wellness, Creation Health, Living Free, Lifestyle Matters, whatever the program is, CHIP, if you can only do a program well and you hold a program expecting to have big results, statistically, The relapse rate of your population in 18 months is going to be about the same as a smoker trying to quit smoking. It's going to be in the 95 percentile failure. And I believe that that is not God's will. Bariatric surgery has a higher success rate in terms of long-term results than lifestyle programs. And there are reasons why that is the case. We're going to look at those reasons because that's not God's plan, is it? We want to be able to do any program in this place and get God's results. And that's what we're going to learn how to do in this class. I want you to do all the programs. I don't want you just to do this one. You go to a class and they want you to hammer on you to do their... I want you to do them all. And I want you to do them for 18 months. Because if you don't keep people with you for 18 months, you're going to lose them all. And then they hide like fleas in the daylight. Because now we've failed. We've relapsed. And we're embarrassed to come back. And wouldn't you hide if you went to some kind of recovery program and you failed miserably within a six-month, six-week period? So we're going to learn those strategies as we go. Uh, Today we're going to focus on stress, diet and stress. And uh, I remember my husband and I, when we moved to Michigan, we discovered the Fred Meyers store. And I remember when Walmarts came into being. For the first time in history, in these stores... Smiling is a paid position. You walk in the door, and someone is actually paid to be pleasant. Uh, It used to be that all employees were required to be pleasant, or you'd lose your job. We went into a store one time, and the greeter was so mean that we were afraid to ask her where anything was. And uh, I told Dane, I said, you can't even pay these people enough to be nice anymore. And so people are stressed very stressed, but their extremity is God's opportunity. Well, let's dim the lights a little bit and take a look at, uh, first we're going to 
establish our paradigm. Why health evangelism? By the way, Dane and I were in ministry now for, oh, I don't know how many years, and uh, just had a passion for his work. And by God's grace, even though he is no longer with me, the Lord has sustained me to be able to continue to go on. It's a miracle. I love miracles of healing. We didn't get that. But the miracle of going forward in the face of loss is truly an amazing thing. You know, our philosophy and our mission, our co-mission, is to make man whole. It's a mind-body-spirit relationship. And by the way, I believe you'll all get copies of this. If you want a copy of this PowerPoint because it's my personal one, I'm happy to put it on a thumb drive for you. So you don't have to write down everything. What is the Bible commission? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives. What a thought. Recovering of sight to the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I love this quote from evangelism. It says, the union of Christ-like work for the body and Christ-like work for the soul is the true interpretation of the gospel. We never forget that we're dealing with whole people. I love this lesson in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says, the invisible things of, of him since the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. In other words, God uses the things that we can see to teach us about the things that we cannot see. I'll give you an example. Proverbs, uh, I think it's chapter 228. It says uh, that the broken mind, the, the, let me remember this scripture. He that has no rule over his spirit is like a city with a broken wall and without strength. So he that has... Somebody look up the scripture for me. Proverbs 2, 28. Oh, he that has no rule over his spirit is as a city that is broken down and without walls. Okay, I had to go to that little file in my brain. He that has no rule over his spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Well, one of my uh, degrees is in public administration, and I used to do city uh, revitalization plans. And this is the most interesting analogy, because when the brain, when the human brain has been ravaged by stress, depression, abuse, uh, sin of all types, whether it's by choice, chance, or circumstance, the brain changes. It is constantly learning and reshaping itself according to what it learns. And so would you agree with me that a person can have a genetic liability to an addiction or to depression? Would you agree? Is it possible to be in an environment that predisposes one to that eventuality as well? Of course, a, a child that's in an, a, an environment where they're neglected or beaten, their, their nervous system at the molecular level actually wires itself in a way that predisposes them to addictions and problems later on in life. That's pretty discouraging. And then do we make stupid choices that get us into some significant trouble? You've told me your story, and wow, you're sitting here. What a miracle. She was a bad girl. Um, <laughs> and yet... The Lord, the Lord has engineered us for renewal, recovery, and restoration. 
renewal of the spiritual man, recover of the, of the mental and physical and social and spiritual faculties, uh, and restoration of mankind as a social and spiritual being. I'm really thankful for that. But the truth is, is that without Christ guiding our judgment and our choices, every faculty is carnalized. What does that mean? Carnalized. I don't say caramelized. I mean carnalized. We're moving in a direction toward destruction. The city, the man that has no rule over his spirit, is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Well, remember Katrina? Do you remember that hor- the horrific scenes that we saw with the, the broken sewage pipes, people stranded, dogs floating in boats, and the infrastructure of the city was completely broken down. There was no intercommunication within the city. The same thing happens in the brain. When we begin to abuse or when there is damage to the brain, whether it's inflicted or whether the choices we make uh, create these problems, the infrastructure and communication structure within the brain, the balance of the brain, begins to break down. And it actually begins to change at the vascular and neurologic level, especially with chronic disease that has its roots in inflammation, like diabetes and obesity, uh, heart disease. These inflammatory conditions create two very serious conditions in the brain, ischemia, which is lack of blood supply, and neural degeneration, which is nerve destruction. So now the infrastructure in the brain, is there's no intercommunication going on, and atrophy begins to occur. What does atrophy mean? It becomes smaller, weaker, with little dead spots. So now it's like when you're on the freeway, you know, and the bridge is broken, and the communication doesn't go, and now at the end point, it begins to actually die. Fortunately, I mean, if that was the only news that I had for you today, I'd say, you know what, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese Pizza, give it up. But I'm thankful today that we are engineered for recovery. But it takes every tool in the box for the rest of your life. So the inner resources for cognitive function, for problem solving, for what is called fluid intelligence. Fluid intelligence is being able to use a memory to solve a problem. You can reassemble and repackage information from the past to solve a future problem. That's a fabulous thing. And with lifestyle diseases, that's one of the first things that begins to decay is fluid intelligence, problem solving, being able to plan, foresight. What is foresight? What is foresight? Yes, you think, okay, if I eat one whole layer of wedding cake this is the way I'm going to feel in an hour. Foresight. And you're able to actually plan according to that piece of information rather than to be ruled by insight. So the city broken down means this infrastructure of the brain is not working properly. The stress system is hyperactive. There's depression. There's not enough dopamine going around to keep you happy. So now we're on the donuts and the ding-dongs and whatever it is, the drugs. But it also says it is without walls. It's like a city that is broken down and without walls. That means now, and some of us know this from experience, now you're defenseless. Here are the people. Well, look at what happened with Katrina. When the infrastructure broke down, the, the hospitals and police department and communications were all broken down, what, what started to go up? Vandalism. Okay? Robbers became because there, was, there were no checks and balances within the city to hold a check on the dangers. So now the brain that is broken down is without walls. 
It's more subject to vandalism, vagrants, and even violence. More susceptible to drugs, sexual addiction, food, the choices that isolation, the, the very maladies that are afflicting people in today's society. So God uses the things that we can see, a city broken down and without walls, to aptly, perfectly describe the neurologic condition of the brain that is broken down through crime. The worst thing we can do as Christians is to to go into a a group and make it sound like everything's going to be easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah. Somebody said to me, I I always get nervous before a program. I can't eat and stuff. And somebody passed by and they said, I don't understand that. I never get nervous. Oh, pray for empathy. Let's just pray for, for empathy. What, what may be very easy for me may be very hard for you. So the gift of empathy is such a wonderful thing. And you know, the Lord will take us behind the shed uh, if we haven't learned our lessons, right, won't he? Right. Uh, and if you haven't been behind that shed, your turn is coming. I love this lesson of the paralytic man. You know, I suppose I should rush to get through the information. But don't you hate that when speakers do that? Wouldn't you rather just have a nice time? We'll get as far as we can. Would you like to do that today? Okay. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, the paralytic man. Christ used the health message, what was seen, this is key, to validate his spiritual authority, the invisible. Same principle. Using that which is seen to validate that which is unseen. Which is easier to say the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven, the invisible, or take up your bed and walk but that you may know that I have spiritual authority and sound doctrine power on earth to forgive sins I say rise take up your bed and walk I love this much of the prejudice that prevents the truth of the third angel's message from reaching the hearts of the people might be removed if more attention were given to health reform now reform reminds me reform school this is an archaic term that we don't use in this context anymore, and it sounds a little negative, but, but in the 70s, we would have used the word health revolution. I think today we would say health innovation. So rewording it, it's quite exciting, isn't it? When people become interested in this subject, the way is once in a while, once in a great while after a gazillion supper clubs, maybe one person. Is that what it says? No, I refuse to do endless events with no results for the kingdom. I just won't do it. I want to take an honest look about what results we're getting and analyze how to get to where we need to go. I work with pastors, and the pastors say, we dump resources into this, it doesn't bring souls. Have you ever had a pastor tell you that? Yeah. (laughs) You're a pastor. So you know the mindset. You've said it. You have said it. Okay. So I'll tell you what that, I'm going to liken that to. I'm going to liken that to having an amazing vehicle in your driveway. It's got an incredible owner's manual that tells you what this vehicle is supposed to do. But it's not doing it. It's not working. It's just sitting in the driveway. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go to your wife and say, well, hitch up the German shepherd to the little red wagon. I'm going to work. No, you're going to bend every effort to find out why that vehicle is not getting you where you're supposed to go because that vehicle will do what that manual says. 
And today we're going to look at what God says it's supposed to do. And we're going to start claiming the promises that we're going to work in such a way that we will get the results that God wants us to have. When we do his work in his way, we're going to get his results. I just refuse to accept anything less. Sometimes we think that praying takes the place of thinking, work, and planning. And it doesn't. The Christian medical students who prays and prays and prays but does not study will have an agnostic friend who is a better doctor. And so praying does not take the place of... And a matter of fact, the Bible has numerous stories of how God tests our reasoning. He actually tests our reasoning powers. Has he promised that as we study the Bible, our reasoning powers will increase? Have you noticed as you spend time with God that your ability to reason is improved and problem-solving and thinking things through? When Dane and I got married, I'm 100% Italian. I come from a winemaking family. My dad was in the wine business, and Ernest and Giulio Gallo, oh, well, they're my family. And my husband used to tell me when we got married, Vicki, your motto is ready, shoot, aim. <laughs> and he'd say, you know, at meetings, he'd say, if they had a skirt in front of the table, at least I could kick you. <laughs> I mean, and, and I admitted it. He was just wonderful. His reasoning and judgment, he came from a great home. He, he wasn't in a survival mode for half his life. So his thinking was amazing. But God improves our thinking over the years. Aren't you thankful for that? So we're going to do some leadership training, and it's really fun how to build teams, how to work with people that are flawed and making mistakes, and how to make them feel like they're really valuable in spite of the fact that they're making mistakes. Do you know this book? I, I haven't showed you our materials yet. I don't know where it is. The book Simple Solutions. I'll show it to you later. Um, it was our first project that we did for the Michigan Conference. It's an amazing book on diet, stress, and immune function. And they gave us a lot of money to produce this and to produce the module, and I was so excited. They printed 20,000 copies, and we had an 800 number in three different spots in this book. And um, I, we kept trying to dial the number and couldn't get through, but we bought the number, and we, we were sure we had bought it, and so we didn't worry about it. We went to press. Well, guess what? After the last book got off the press, we dialed the number, and it rang. And guess what the 800 number was? It was an 800 number that took you to a specialty tobacco company. So if you're really stressed, you could get some specialty tobacco from a Seventh-day Adventist Michigan Conference book. We had that 800 number in three places in every book on 20,000 books, my first project for the Michigan Conference. And I woke up the morning that I realized this, and I just thought this would be a great day to get hit by a train. I really, you know, I thought, you know, I don't have a blood pressure problem, but a heart attack would do just real well right now. I did not want to go to work and tell my boss. And I went in ready to resign because I had made this mistake. But God uh, worked on my boss's heart, Jay Gallimore. He's a real kind man. And he, I saw him take a breath. I saw those micro, that flash expression. And I saw him blink. And then he said, and I was ready to go, you know, whatever, wait tables. You know, I, I, I ruined my chance. And he said, well, maybe, uh, maybe it'd be a good idea to check those phone numbers before we go to press next time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Makes sense to me. <laughs> 
and we ordered 60,000 stickers, and my secretaries have just forgiven me recently. For <laughs> yes? With the bad number? With the sticker? Do you That's why that sticker was there. Because we don't want your little Irish friends chewing plugs of tobacco. You remember those stickers on there? I have some in my possession. Still? Oh, don't peel them off. <laughs> and we tried and tried to buy the phone number from the guy, and he was some new age guy that thought there was some special significance to the number. I begged him. He wouldn't do it. I begged him. So learning how to work with flawed people is an amazing thing. Amen? <laughs> When people become interested in this subject, the way is often prepared for the entrance of other truths. The Savior, now this is the Savior's method, right? We all know this. First, he mingled with people who desired their good. He showed them sympathy. He met their needs. He won their confidence. And what's the word? Credible. Credible. Friends, because we are a religious organization and because we represent sacred doctrine, we have a higher responsibility to be credible than the American Dietetics Association. We have no business getting stuff off Mother Earth News, the Internet, high colonics, you know, putting their feet. I was talking with somebody about putting the feet in. They put this rod in the water and that's supposed to draw the poison out of you and the, the water turns a funny color. You've heard of this? But it does the same thing if you put a carrot in there, okay? I remember going to one church, and the saints met me at the door Sabbath morning. I didn't even get inside the door. They didn't even say hello to me. They met me at the door and said, where do you stand on microwaves? (laughs) Half of our church will not come to potluck because of the microwave question. Where do you stand on microwaves? And the thing is, I didn't know which half I was talking to. I didn't know who these people were. And I was talking to one half of that group. And the Lord gave me an answer that sufficed and at least got me into the foyer. I just said, well, it depends on if you're microwaving a Pop-Tart or a sweet potato. And I just (laughs) went in. So we, we need to be credible scientifically sound credible and on the cutting edge of science now science takes the second place to revelation and I freely admit our books are fully referenced what's called index medicus referencing the whole thing so that if a doctor wants to look a researcher wants to see the information they can see it but I look for the research that I know will stand the test of revelation from God. There's all kinds of quirky stuff out there. And, and there are other criterion for choosing a good study. I recognize that. But there are some good studies that say the wrong thing. And then he said, follow me. And that's where we teach the truth. And here's the point. If people see that we are intelligent with regard to health, they will be more ready to believe that we're sound in Bible doctrine. Four positive principles of health evangelism. We want to be scriptural and scientific. Having a sound theology is going to influence the way you teach your classes. 
we've had some really strange um, problems based on a theology of misusing the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. Just a couple, just right before I came here, someone called me, and I appreciate people having honest questions. But someone called me, and uh, to ask me various questions, and they said, "So about your husband?" And I said, "Yes." And they said, "What about that scripture? He'll put none of the evil diseases on the Egyptians." Mm-hmm. I mean, this was the question to the widow. How calloused, for one thing. Um, and uh, I answered the question very kindly. Uh, but then I put my, I actually had to go home. It was so upsetting to think that one of the saints, uh, uh, God tests our reasoning powers. You know, when the Lord was going to destroy the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah, didn't he talk to, to Abraham about it? He said, here, I'm on my way to do this. And, and so with Moses and with various ones, he, he tests our reasoning. He talks to us. He does... The Holy Spirit and prayer don't take the place of reasoning. Let's reason it through with that scripture. Do we know people who live evil lives, who live a long time? Mm -hmm. Do we know godly people who for inexplicable reasons die young? Job's boils were not the result of poor hygiene. So do we need to engage a thoughtful, diligent, reasoning process. Reasoning is a gift from God that we are to exercise. Thank God that every question isn't easily answered. One of my friends in here who is a cancer survivor, I was, I guess you could use the word whining about these kinds of things. And she's turned my whole thinking around. Have you ever had anybody say something to you that changes the whole way you look at something? So wonderful. That's why iron is refined by iron. Man is made better by contact with each other. And she said, and I was complaining, and she said, I'm so glad that I don't think that way anymore. Isn't it a blessing not to think that way anymore? And I just thought, wow, yeah. (laughs) It should be sensible and balanced. The same thing isn't going to work for everybody. It should be personalized. And, and this is where we, we need to be very careful because when we're giving general meetings, if you give specific advice to a general group, you can have unintended health consequences that can create liabilities for the church and, and, uh, and, and real problems. So we need to be very careful that personalized programs are done by Dietitians and doctors are people who, that, have, that can understand the ramifications of some of the health advice we give. In other words, we need to keep it simple, keep it basic, keep it broad when we're doing general, unless we can qualify the information. Are there any health professionals in here? Nurse, doctor, dietitian? You are? You're a nurse, so you understand what I'm talking about. Okay. So if I say everybody needs whatever or nobody needs B12, I've just created some potentially very dangerous health consequences. Nobody should ever have a dairy product. Okay, so there might be someone that actually, for whatever reason, does need some of those things. And I could create some real challenges in their lives. Okay, so we need to be careful and always be learning and studying. And we want to be practical, right? I can't, 
I remember when I first accepted the health message, I was so deliriously happy to be freed from bulimia and just I wanted to do anything to serve God and be with him and know him and follow him. I was so loyal, but my husband and I, at the beginning, we were like Attila and Mrs. The Hun. I mean, we were steamrollers, fiery, like Saul before he became Paul. And, but I even could be outdone back in those days because somebody came to my house and wanted, they stayed over, they were teaching us some stuff, you know, and he wore the long johns in the summer and all that and the suspenders. And, and um, I was going to make him some oatmeal for breakfast. And he said, did you roll your own? <laughs> and I said, I, I didn't know they were rolled. <laughs> Who rolls them? <laughs> And then I asked, I asked him if he would like some peanut butter on toast. And he said, well, did you grind your own peanuts? Because they'll be rancid. And I said, well, look, you know, if we don't get this one, I do have Purina that I can give you. <laughs> but, so it needs to be practical. <laughs> oh, I don't know how that got in there. That was cute. So what are the pieces for long-term success? There are, there are organizational pieces that we're going to learn, but there are also personal pieces that you and I intuitively know because we've been walking with Christ. We've all been walking with Christ and learning for a long time, but to be able to cognitively articulate what the pieces are that are necessary for long-range success are very, very important for, to congeal in our minds. So a wellness is a picture that involves clinical, clinical integration. What do I mean by clinical integration? What does that mean? Somebody tell me. Nurse, what's your thought? Coming to a blending. That's exactly right. For instance, somebody may come to your program with a compulsive gambling issue, but there are certain forms of Parkinson's disease that manifest as compulsive gambling. So it's very, very important to understand. Just because somebody's hearing voices doesn't mean they're demon possessed. They may have a, a, a uh, they may have a an organic process going on in the brain. So it's very important that people know what's going on in their bodies, that they have a diagnosis, and then they work with their physicians. Are you with me on that? Mind-body connection. Mind-body connection. We're going to spend a whole afternoon on the mind-body link. In fact, uh, the greatest cause of disease is not dietary habits in Ministry of Healing. Yes. Well, in fact, it's stated in a very positive way. Gratitude, rejoicing, benevolence, trust in God's loving care. These are health's greatest safeguards. Isn't that just an amazing thing? That's from Ministry of Healing. These are health's greatest safeguards. Now, do we want to qualify this? Do we know happy people that get sick and die? My husband was a happy man. However, is it a factor? It's an important factor. The environment. I heard Jerry talking about this on the phone with his friend, who he's going to tell us about tomorrow, how this friend that had an alcohol addiction created an internal environment of how he thought. 
So there are thinking skills that people, we are really good at teaching lifestyle skills, but we need to become adept at helping our brothers and sisters learn how to think differently. Doesn't the Bible talk to us all the time about how to rethink about what's happening to us and rethink about our past? That, you know, that's one of the most amazing things about healing is how plastic the brain is. When I mean, say plastic, I mean that it's constantly reshaping itself according to what it learns. And interestingly enough, memory is very plastic. When you go and get, dig up a memory, it is processed through your present state of mind and perceptions, and it edits it, just like you edit a document when you're writing a book. So that memory is continually being reshaped. Now, this is a really interesting thing because we think about the healing of memory. And as we expose ourselves to God's word, the Bible says that for, by Isaiah 61, verse 7, that for everything that we have had to experience here, the shame, you know, little kids get molested and they live with shame and they get disease and they have wrecked nervous systems and depression and have all kinds of problems. You know, and then they come to Christ and it's a journey of a lifetime to try to learn how to function out of what they've come out of. But the Bible says, whatever you have had to endure because of the environment you were born in, the genetics you were dealt or the choices that you made, either ignorantly or willfully, he says, I will repay you double for the shame that you've been exposed to. And the sense of the word is workers' compensation. You're in this battlefield of sin. where, And, you know, the, one of the worst things that we can say to people is, well, God knew that your character needed this. That's why this happened to you. People have said that to me about losing my husband. So if a woman gets raped, she needed that for her salvation? Please. So the Bible says that he will repay us double for being behind battle lines. Workers' compensation. Don't you love it? It's a great picture of God. And so the internal environment of the way we learn to think as we're exposed to godly people, as we're exposed to the word of God, actually heals our thinking. And it does more than that. It heals memory so that it doesn't hurt so much. So that then when we use fluid intelligence skills to draw on those memories to solve future problems, we're not making stupid mistakes based on faulty thinking about our past. We rightly understand what happened in the context of God's point of view, and we now make wise decisions instead of stupid decisions. Isn't that great? Otherwise, there'd be no hope for any of us, would there? And an external environment that draws us in the right direction. You know, if I want to get exercise more, and I pack my gym bag and put it in the attic, it's not going to happen. We had a Living Free program, and one of the girls that attended it, she was 28 years old, beautiful girl, probably 150 pounds overweight. And when we had our little breakout session, she said, you know, I just have a a problem. I have this big bowl of M&Ms in my living room on the table, and I just cannot seem to stay away from them. And uh, so the people in the group had some counsel for her. What do you think the counsel was? Yeah, you know, let's change the environment because it's telling you something different. 
So we want to put reminders all over the place. Ellen White talks about having sacred books all over the house so that when you sit down, it's there to call you. Have it on the, don't put everything in the bookshelf. Have some things out that will remind you and call you. Changing that external environment to call us in a positive direction. Lifestyle changes have a profound effect on the brain as well as the body, and we're going to be taking a look at that. Creating connections with one another as well as with God. You know, it's like a little old lady said. She said, what's deep in the well is going to come up in the bucket. We cannot change our hearts, can we? By effort. Only God can change our hearts. There's an old Lakota Indian saying, it says, when your horse is dead, it's time to dismount. And so we have habits of thinking and living that need to be resculpted and recrafted. I used to go to my husband because his thinking was so sound. I'd get in some dicey situation, some hassle with somebody, and I'd go to Dane, and I'd say, Dane, tell me how you would think about this. And he would tell me, well, Vicki, this is what I would think about this. I'd think, well, they're having a bad day, or, you know, it's not about me. It's just that's the way they are, and, you know, just let it roll. And, he'd get, and I'd say, most ridiculous thing I ever heard in my life. But I said, you know what? My way of thinking about it isn't working. I'm going to try your way. And that's just the great thing that by connections with one another, we can learn how to think. God sends us messages of how to live through other people. One of the best things we can do is associate ourselves with people that think better than we do, that are smarter than we are. And it's great to be always reading a book that's a little bit too hard for your... To, for, I, always, I have several dictionaries on all my apps and phones and desktop and whenever I come up to any word that that I even have a hint of a question about I look it up always trying to expand those connections and God is the one that can rebirth the whole experience he's the only one that can put joy in the path in fact social isolation the health consequences of social isolation are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day more serious than any other single health factor in disease and death, including obesity and um, smoking. Do you think managing stress is an important part of the package? Teaching people how to manage and resolve stress and how to cope with unavoidable stress in a positive, in a positive way? That's when we slip, isn't it? It's when we're, when we're chronically stressed. Well, we, we, we want to address clinical integration for a few moments here. We do believe as Seventh-day Adventists, and we're establishing our paradigm for this whole week right now. We believe in a biology of healing. We believe, and I'm glad we have a nurse here, we believe in assessment, diagnosis, treatment, and follow-up. But we also believe in a philosophy of wellness. Are there diseases that originate that you can't find in an x-ray or on a lab test? Because the way we think can change not only the molecular structure of our nervous system, but it has a profound effect on nervous system and immune uh, function in the body. And there is, we're going to find some amazing connections between the brain and body and how the way we treat our body actually uh, affects mental function. And we're going to find out at the biochemical level exactly how that affects, how those effects work. We believe in the roots of, of disease that go deeper than what we can see on an x-ray or a lab test. We believe in remedies that are simple and natural, founded in God. We believe in lifestyle links to improve health and reduce the risk of chronic disease, and in some cases, by 70 to 90%. We believe in lasting change through the power of God. Some people are imbalanced. 
Some people are completely over here. A lot of people from the community don't, don't, know, these, don't know these links. Or sometimes you have people that are completely over here and totally reject any kind of diagnostics or, or treatment from the medical community. And I would tell you that I believe that there's a healthy tension between the two. We need to cherry pick what is appropriate for the person needs to cherry pick what is appropriate. And the better knowledge that we have, the more appropriate our, our interventions will be and the wiser the decisions. Some of these roots uh, in Seventh-day Adventists, they, they won't get treatment for aggressive diseases or maybe there are some new age uh, th folks out there that, that, that need to, to create a balance between these two. But this is the work of God, isn't it? As we, as we move understandingly along a continuum in both of these areas, then, you know, and you've heard people say this, if I get hit by a car, I don't want somebody to pour herbs over it, you know, vice versa. And there are some things that drugs just absolutely make worse no, no matter what. But there are some drugs that will cure certain aggressive cancers and you have 100% chance of death without some conventional intervention. So uh, true science and inspiration are in what kind of harmony? Don't you love that? Science reveals God's character. I love studying science because of it. It's such a beautiful place of harmony. Things make sense with good science. Now this is, uh, Robert Russell said this, religion is incapable of making its moral claims persuasive or its spiritual comfort effective unless its cognitive claims are credible. So the beautiful blending of the moral and the spiritual. We are morally constituted people, and we are rational beings. And the blending of these two is going to make our message more powerful. What we want is souls for the kingdom who have confidence and trust in a God who knows what's best, who is in control when it seems like this world is out of control. Many biblical teachings on lifestyle, including mental, physical, moral, social, and family health, are being validated by science every day. So it's not just about physical health, it's about financial stewardship and moral, the, the moral claims of the Ten Commandments, social relationships, marital, familial relationships, all of these things, work ethics, these are all grounded and founded in the Bible. Principles of hygiene, when I did my master's program in public administration, the whole thing was based on Deuteronomic law, swift and impartial judgment, chain of command, uh, the whole all of the principles of sound Protestant government that we have in the United States today in their pure form are based in Deuteronomic law. It's, just, it's a fabulous thing to see the expression of God's love in every area of our lives. Using good science in our programs provides opportunity to reveal the goodness of our Creator. Isn't that just a wonderful task? It's a wonderful objective. And the power of Bible teachings in the big picture you know, I can teach somebody to eat right, but if they're sitting in a little tank top and hot pants in an air-conditioned room, see, there's, there's other factors that play into health, not only moral health, but also physical health. And we have just such a wonderful blending of these principles. A proper theology of health teaches risk reduction and cause and effect. I love teaching cause and effect. However... This is uh, M.L. Andreessen. How many of you are familiar with M.L. Andreessen as an author? Uh, he was a young uh, minister, 
when Ellen White was an old woman and, and she counseled him and encouraged him. He's written some amazing books. Uh, he's written the, a commentary on the book of Hebrews and a book on the sanctuary and a book on prayer. Although sin and sickness are closely related, it is evident that not all sickness is directly traceable to transgression on the part of the sick. Do you think that this is an important thing to hold in our hearts as we do health lectures? Too often the innocent suffer for or with the guilty. It does happen. We have personal stories that we could share uh, that have inclined us in a direction, perhaps, because of early... Well, one in every five children born, the first environment is the environment of the womb. One in every five has either alcohol effects or fetal alcohol effects in the United States today. This is a monumental thing. A woman who is obese, their child has double the risk of diabetes and obesity at birth. Thankfully, lifestyle choices can overrule the genetic liability, but it's there, and it's real. Disabilities and sickness are not always directly due to sin. Not all suffering is a punishment for sin. To many, sickness and suffering are a sure sign of God's disfavor, and conversely, they think that if nothing is troubling them, God is pleased with their general way of life. Is that a little dangerous, too? Uh, I, I spoke at a fitness camp, and there was a very brilliant epidemiologist speaking there. An epidemiologist, these are people that do population studies, and they thresh out factors for disease. And he was just amazing. Well, he told me the story. I had just recently lost my husband. I was just reeling. It was hard to get out in public. And he, my husband died of a very rare and aggressive cancer, by the way. And um, anyway... His grandmother lived to be 104 years old. She grew her own tobacco, made her own pipes, and smoked the, out of the bowl of the pipe. Now, I'm telling you this not to advocate smoking, but to someone who has lost someone to lung cancer who doesn't even smoke. Now, I didn't lose my husband that way, but does this create dissonance and so as Christians, we want to be able to minister, minister in a loving way to people who have dissonance. That's a part of our experience is dissonance. Why did my child get hit by a car? What did I do that this happened? How wonderful that the Bible helps us to find the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He's called the God of comfort. Thank the Lord. Such reasoning and prayers are not safe. Compare Job with the antediluvians. Not even a sinus infection out there as they're rallying, partying around the boat, at least not one that's listed anyway. So never stop learning. What a blessing. What a blessing to be continually learning. We want to learn more of Bible truth, more of biology and physiology, more of chemistry and science, more on nutrition. Just because we're convicted on a topic doesn't mean we're conversant. We have the privilege of learning. I remember deciding that I wanted to take nutritional biochemistry. And in order to take nutritional biochemistry, well, that was part of what my master's class was. You have to take these other chemistry courses. And I, you know, the kids in the college class were young enough to be my kids. So I would go to school, and I was taking this 
I can't remember if it was organic or inorganic, but there are two kinds of chemistry classes. One is for medical students, and the other one is for engineers. And I just so happened, I didn't know this, but I landed in the engineer one. So all these engineers kids are in there. And the book has things like, if you're, lay, if you're, if you're putting so many hundred tons of cement on a foundation, and then you do this chemistry thing. And I would go home and I would read and read and read and cry and pray and read some more and cry. And then I'd go to class and I would ask questions. And the teacher, I'd sit, and I always sit in the front. And the teacher was very frustrated with me because him and the kids just wanted to be done with this course and get through it, do the tests and get out of there. I really wanted to understand it. And I'm the type of person, if I don't understand it completely, I don't understand it at all. So I would ask questions. Finally, he got so frustrated that one night during break, he said, teasingly, why don't you go play on the speed bumps? In other words, if I got hit by a car, it would be, suit the class just fine. Well, I went home, and I was crying, and I was going to quit the class. And my husband just was there as a cheerleader. You know, he said, you, your taxpayers pay for those teachers. And, you know, according to the Clinton bill of whatever, you have a right to ask those questions. And you're asking the questions that all those kids would ask if they had enough nerve. And it's smart people that ask questions. And he was just, you know, just cheerleading me. And I just said, yeah, you're right. You know, so anyway, I, I ended up acing that class. I got an A. I annoyed the teacher, but I got, I got the grade. So, uh, you know, learning is such a privilege. And the fact that it's hard, why, that should be no problem. Just keep at it until you get it. We wish to present temperance and health reform from a Bible standpoint and to be very cautious not to go to extremes in abruptly advocating health reform. Let us be careful, and we all know this, not to graft into health reform one false shoot according to our own peculiar overstrained ideas and weave in our own strong traits of character, making these as the voice of God and passing judgment. Someone uh, came, a little troop of health reformers came to my office, uh, oh, maybe five years ago, and they said they wanted to interview me. And it felt really more like an interrogation than an interview. You know, I had no idea what I was walking into, but they said, what is your objective in health ministry? And I shared a few concepts with them, and they said, well, when we run health programs, we want every person that comes to that program to be a -a two-meal-a-day vegan vegetarian. And it shocked me. And it just really took me back. And I said, well, you know, um, I was bulimic for 20 years, and I can't eat two really huge meals. It, it, it makes me really sick. And, I, and I'm sedentary, so I am much better off with... Otherwise, I get too skinny. I'm better off with three meals and the, the evening one really light, like a piece of toast and an apple, you know? Don't you believe in spirit of prophecy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> just, it was really... It was this, in action. And... Um, The great backsliding upon health reform is because unwise minds, and I have been guilty of this, have handled it and carried it to such extremes that it has disgusted in place of converting people to it. And I have been guilty of doing this. Absolutely. There are some minds so constituted they they will accept anything that bears the features of rigorous diet or reform of any kind. So you have your liquid diets and you have your smoothie diets and you have the people that won't eat 
a piece of toast with a with a with a, a bean or a protein, or they separate all these things out. The blood type diet. I, I remember when I found out in my master's program about the blood type diet, I thought to myself, a man, a man had to have written that book. Can you imagine a woman in the kitchen cooking for four different blood types? You would never get out of the kitchen. I, I mean, the guy ought to be in jail, frankly. And I think about Adam and Eve, too. You know, when they are created, and we all come from them. It's not like, okay, you take this, Adam, Eve, you eat. Oh, and the zone diet, you know, where you're, you're eating these disgusting cheeseburgers and steak, but you won't touch broccoli. Yeah. You know, what I tell people, like the short answer, call your cardiologist, tell him to sharpen up his knife and get your gravestone paid for because it's a killer diet. So do present the big picture, teach the basics, emphasize positives. People love that. Uh, and we have a coach here. Uh, this gentleman in the back, Mike? Rick. Rick. I'm sorry, Rick. Rick teaches people how to sort of be nice and encouraging. And, and this, is, this is great if we can take these coaching classes. I need them. I can be pretty tactless sometimes. Focus on principles, not rules. Very, very important, isn't it, to understand a principle mm-hmm. instead of a rule? Mm-hmm. Because we're not always... We're not always able to follow out exactly to the precision what what we would like to do under normal circumstances. And so it's a principle. Avoid simplistic recommendations. Sweeping claims. Carrot juice cures breast cancer. Do you know how many people have died because they follow that piece of advice? Overgeneralizations. Nobody needs a supplement. Are you kidding? Vitamin D in Michigan, B12 for a vegan. If you have MS, those are two specific, very, very critical nutrients that they need. Liability due to unintended health consequences. They, they won't go for you or for the doctor or the pastor. They're going to go for the conference. They'll get millions of dollars if there's a wrongful death suit. It's very, very serious. Health reform, wisely treated, will prove an entering wedge where the truth may follow with marked success. But to present it unwisely actually creates prejudice. And we don't want that, do we? We just want to review some of the ways in which we can ingratiate people and put them on a continuum of well-being, a path of well-being. Because we don't know where it's going to end. We don't know if that person is going to get their results. We just don't. But we can be there and lead them to Christ. Amen? Where perfect health will abound. It bars the way to the truth, leaving the impression that we are extremists. We must not give occasion for us to be regarded as extremists. I'm I'm really thankful for the grace of God, for his forgiveness, for the many mistakes that uh, that we make along the way. We're well-intentioned, but it's really easy to take things out of context or to take one statement and make it a rule for everyone. And I've certainly done that. The special work for this time must be done in reaching the people through what kind of effort? Personal Personal effort. It is this kind of labor that will be what? Not just okay, not just successful, but highly successful. The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. I want souls for the kingdom, not just clean arteries, although those are important too. 
when you start getting into the issue of inflammation. True love seeks, Dane used to quote this to me a lot when I didn't think I was understood at a meeting. I don't know whatever happened to me. My brain would disengage at meetings. I hate being at like committee meetings. And he would say, Vicki, if you will only listen, then you would know what to say. True love seeks first to understand and then to be understood. Isn't that a great principle? What if we all did that for an entire day? It'd be a wonderful thing. Each individual is a total person on a journey. Look beyond habits or lab tests to the total context in history, including social, family, cultural, and religion, activity level. Actually, exercise is more uh, difficult to achieve consistency with than dietary patterns. Fitness, it's very, very challenging. Age and gender, lifestyle and environment, disease risk or presence, genetic and ethnicity, and habits, such as smoking and alcohol. Uh, I don't want to go through these. It's too much for our brains to handle, but uh, I'm happy to give you the PowerPoints. Being practical means showing people what to do, how to do it, and to help them to be motivated to want to do it and support them as they do do it. Okay, so I don't want to go through these right now either because really we've taken a lot, but you can see the common sense here. We want to have practical, common sense programs. We're not going to go through that either. Um, are there any questions? There's a, I want to take you to the last slide here because it's very encouraging. As we close, right here. I don't have my glasses on. Does that say view? The From final, final word. No, no. Where does it say, how do I get to the PowerPoint? where it says slideshow. There you go. From current. Okay, there. Okay. Have I not written to you excellent things in what? Councils and knowledge. I love this. That I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth, that you may answer words of truth to those who send to you. In other words, when we do this right, they're going to be sending for us. That's right. They'll come to us. And we're told that light seekers will be brought to light bearers. Cherries for the picking. That's what I want. Knowledge, benevolence, eloquence, gratitude, and zeal are aids in the good work. But without the love of Jesus in the heart, the work of the Christian minister is a failure. I appreciate Jeff being here because it's taken him four years to even get an inroad with the Irish people in spiritual things, to gain that trust. Patience, long-suffering. We are to cooperate with one who knows no failure. We should not talk of our own weakness and ability, when, inability. When we give ourselves to God, holy to God, and in our work follow his directions, he makes himself responsible for its accomplishment. Aren't you thankful for that? <laughs> That's just a great promise. I lean on that. I wish I leaned on it more. I wouldn't be so stressed. All right, thank you. We're going to take a break. Are there any questions? Any questions as, or comments? 
Christian temperance and Bible hygiene. Yes. Something about 50 packs of cigarettes. No, 15, a social isolation is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. <laughs> social isolation, okay. Wow. All right. Well, you've been very patient. Let's take a break. Let's take uh, 10 minutes. We'll see you back at 3.30. It's about 15 minutes, 11, 12 minutes. Okay. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons please visit www.audioverse.org